everybody loves a secret. And today I'm sharing a secret with you. Well, I don't know if I can call it a secret anymore because really Frownies is at the forefront of the beauty industry in a fresh new way. And it is really due to Helen Morrison's hand and ownership of the company and the way she has just breathed on their social media presence and getting the word out about this wonderful product. Helen is my guest. She actually went to Bible school with me back in college. She owns now the company called Frownies, which was founded and started by her great-great-great-great-great-grandmother back in 1889. Today's whole episode is basically your life hack, how to age gracefully, <laughs> but it is a beautiful story of Helen's journey with the Lord into the place of taking over the company. Let's dive in, and as Helen shares her story, I think your heart is going to be filled with hope. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Thanks, you guys, so much for joining me today at Java with Jen. I am here with a friend of mine. Her name is Helen, and you may know her as the face of Frownies, if you're familiar with the Frownies brand. Uh, but she actually is someone who went to Bible school with me back in college. And as I was seeing her do her thing on the Frownies site on Instagram, I was thinking, you know what? I bet Helen has an incredible story behind how she took over this company. And so I pulled her on the show, and you're going to hear a little bit about the Frownies story, but I really wanted to hone in on Helen's story and the role that the Holy Spirit played in leading her family to take over this company. So Helen, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Thanks for having me, Jen. I'm excited. Absolutely. So Helen, why don't you go ahead and um, now you and I, for the sake of my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, and if you guys don't know Frownies or what Frownies is, um, I actually came across Frownies. I saw an ad of theirs and I recognized your face, Helen. And I was like, wait a second, I went to school with Helen. Um, and so Frownies is like facial patches that you can just put on at night and they stabilize the muscles in your face to help, um, delay the signs of aging and wrinkling. And Helen, I'm sure you can explain it a whole lot better, but it's basically Botox without the needles in essence, kind of, sort of. It's a good way to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you go and explain what Frownies is, and then uh, we'll just dive into your story and like what your story was behind all of that. Okay, great. Well, like she said, I am what now I'm the face of Frownies. Um, my great-great-grandmother actually invented Frownies in 1889. Frownies are facial patches that you wear at night while you sleep. You can wear them during the day too, but most people don't want to go out in them. So we recommend you wear them while you sleep. Essentially, Frownies are helping to relax the um, muscle tension and um, smooth wrinkles and expression lines. Most, uh, most of the time wrinkles and expression lines on your forehead aren't just because of aging. Really they're a result of facial expression or holding a lot of facial tension. And then eventually, um, the skin settles into the lines in the muscles, and then you have wrinkles. So you wear frownies, they help to essentially iron out those muscles and smooth the lines. So that is the product my great, great grandmother invented, um, five generations ago. I'm the fifth generation woman in this business. And just to kind of launch into my story to take it back, um, my grandmother 
and I were very, very close. My first job when I was 13 years old, I was actually homeschooling at the time. One day a week, I would go into her office and help her fold frownies. So if you've ever gotten a box of frownies, you know, they're like, they come in long strips, uh, they're paper and they're long strips of paper all folded up. So I would go in and I would fold frownies and work with her. And I loved her. And I loved my job at the time. It was like a 13 year old being able to earn some money. I thought it was so great, uh-huh. but my grandmother would always say, Oh, one day you're going to take over this business. And I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really had no desire to do anything like that. I have always had a heart for people and I loved connecting with people. And to me, business sounded boring and not something that 13 year old Helen would be interested in. Um, and then honestly, as the years went by and the business, you know, just kind of slowly grew and my mom and, um, got involved. It was still one of those things that my siblings and I was always mentioned, like who's going to run frownies. And I still always thought, Nope, not me. Um, but the business was pretty small at the time as well. And I didn't really have a vision for it. Um, but anyway, then I actually went to school. Uh, like Jen said, I went to, to the Bible college, um, year with her. And, um, I, in that year, I, again, my heart for people and love for people just grew. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do when I went to college to get my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up going and getting an elementary education degree. So I was a school teacher for about seven years. And the reason that I chose education was not because I necessarily saw myself as a teacher, but I loved kids. It seemed like it made sense. I thought, well, one day if I have a family and I'm a mom, well, that's a good schedule. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought also I always wanted to live overseas and do mission work and things like that. And I thought, well, teaching is my ticket to the world. It just made sense. So I started teaching. I ended up going and, um, spending a year in Thailand teaching there and all along the way, even just these, these details that I'm kind of speeding through, I could back up and tell you the stories of how really I was led by the Holy spirit all along the way into these pathways that at the time it was kind of like, huh, I don't know why I'm choosing this, but I, I feel like it's the right thing. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of now I can look back and see how they were all pieces of the puzzle. But anyway, so I taught for a year in Thailand. And when I moved back, I ended up moving back to the States and moving to Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. And I, here I met my husband and we got married I spent a couple years here while, when I first moved back to Dallas, because I was a school teacher at the summers off, um, before I started teaching school again, I actually went and did a yoga teacher training here in Dallas. That was like eight weeks long. Um, and again, that was kind of a funny thing. I hadn't been super into yoga, but I went to this hot yoga studio, loved it. One thing led to another. I decided to do the teacher training. Um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. It was very cool started teaching yoga. And now I've been teaching for about 14 years, but, um, I grew up in a family that was super natural wellness, holistically minded. And so the yoga kind of fit in with that. And my love for Mm -hmm. people translated into, I, a love for fitness and teaching fitness and helping people in that way. So I'm teaching school, I'm teaching, um, you know, fitness classes, connecting with people, Um, and like I said, grew up in a very healthy, crunchy family. So I've always like (laughs) really healthy, strange foods and whatever. So I met my husband, funny story. And I don't think I told Jen about this the first time, but when I met my husband, we could not have been more opposite in the way that we were raised. I mean, 
what I actually started dating him and got to know him because I found out he had literally never eaten really any fruits or vegetables at all. What? Like he didn't, he didn't like any of them. And I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, but I mean like apples, like you like apples, right? Like you've eaten like strawberries, like, nope, nope. And I was like, oh no, oh this guy's going to die. <laughs> because I thought, like I was so like, I'm, I'm a big produce fan. <laughs> and I just was like, wow, that is so crazy. But he's like, well, you know, I know, I, I know I need to eat a little healthier. And so I was like, well, you need to come over. I need to like, we need to like eat these foods. You need to like, I need to cook some food for you. We need to do this. So we got to know each other <laughs> because funny. we were so different. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, one thing led to another, we got married and, uh, right away, as soon as we got married, he started his aviation training. So he had his private pilot's license, um, but then decided to take it further. And he went into his, uh, commercial training and started becoming a flight instructor, all these things. And when you first get into aviation, while it sounds cool, um, you're, you're living on pennies, you know, there's not a lot of money in it. It's just a lot of like time building and climbing through the, the ladders of seniority. And so I was teaching and he was, um, kind of doing his training and, and flight instructing. Um, and so we really lived on my income and, um, with the plan that we would do that until he could get to where he was in his career and he could kind of take over with that. And then we would start a family. So, um, we lived in Texas. I didn't love Texas. Uh, just from the, from a location standpoint, I thought it was plain. Um, Texans love Texas a lot, which also made <laughs> me feel like maybe I didn't like it as much as they did. Um, but so my brother-in-law was going to be starting a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, um, we had felt like the next thing for us was we felt like God was kind of asking us to move out to Arizona and, um, help start the church. Mm -hmm. So um, we did that. And when we first visited Arizona, I fell in love. I said, this is where, this is where my heart was born. This <laughs> is my great. place. These are my people, uh, fitness, wellness, healthy food, yoga, all these things were huge in Scottsdale. And plus it's warm. I don't like cold weather. So I thought this is great. Let's do it. So we moved to the desert and that was two years into our marriage. And um, I was a children's pastor for the next, uh, couple of years at the church as we were getting started. Mm -hmm. And I would say that those were two of the hardest, mm -hmm. loneliest years ever. So my husband, once we moved out there, he also got a better job in aviation, but he was flying on call mm -hmm. a lot of medical teams and things like that. And so, um, he would be called in the middle of the night, you know, at, 3am to go out on a flight and like get a organ from an organ donor or something, oh, you know? Wow. So, um, just stuff calls at all times of the day. And, and then he would fly medical teams out to the Indian reservations and things like that. And, um, so he would leave before I was awake and then, you know, text me maybe an hour before he was going to be home. So that was the, the most notice that I knew or the, the, you know, that was when I knew he'd be home. So it was like, Maybe he texts me at six o'clock. I'll be home by seven. But otherwise we, we didn't have a schedule even 24 hours in advance, mm. even 12 hours in advance. So we couldn't really plan anything. So it was made it very difficult for us to kind of put down roots and get to know people. Well, at the same time, I was extremely involved in the church, obviously being that it was new, but that was my first time. I think like in full time, kind of like a ministry position. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard. I felt yeah 
totally alone. While I had all these friends and people who, you know, were volunteering with me and doing things, I just, it, the pressure of like, well, I'm the pastor was a lot. And so it was just lonely. I didn't really feel like I had a real friend and we left Dallas. We had such a huge community of friends and people, and there was so much going on. And so it was pretty lonely and a lot of work. And Mm -hmm. then my husband was also gone so much. Um, and that made it hard, but I also thought, well, it's okay. Like, you know, we didn't have kids yet. You know, it's fine. Like we'll keep going with aviation. It's going to get better. (laughs) And then we finally, um, we decided to start a family. My husband kind of took over as far as, you know, his job was, um, his salary was improving and stuff. And so I stopped, um, my job at the church and had a baby. Mm -hmm. And as, as soon as I had my son, um, it was kind of like all hand, like it was all me because, you know, my husband's schedule was so unpredictable, but it was okay. Cause there was just one, but even still, if you're a mom or you have children out there, you know, that the first couple years of a new baby's life are very lonely. Even if you yeah. live somewhere where you have a lot of friends and family, because, yeah. you know, they have a nap schedule and you're breastfeeding and it's like, everything revolves around the baby's schedule. Mm-hmm. At least it did for me. Cause I wasn't one of those moms that just like threw the baby and like, she'll sleep in the car. <laughs> um, so that also isolates you more. And so I just kind of had my head down. I was doing what I had to do, taking care of my little boy. And my husband was flying long hours and again, still no schedule. So we would meet somebody and they would say, Oh, we should get together. Like let's have dinner. And I would be like, well, we're going to cancel the day of like, we can schedule it, but we can't schedule it. So we're not going to schedule it. And So I, I feel like we just slowly, little by little, as the years went by in marriage, we just had to kind of live our own separate lives. And I had to really in my mind, just think I can't depend on him for anything because he, he's not going to be here. So I have to find a way to do this on my own Mm -hmm. in case he's not here. And then if he is great, but, um, so we just kind of kept on thinking it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Then I got pregnant with our second child and, um, right when I found out I was pregnant, my husband had just got a new job where he would start and he had a schedule. So we were excited. I thought this is going to be great. He's got a schedule. Um, and his schedule was eight and six. So gone eight days home six. So even though before he was on call, he was home every night. So at least we saw each other a little bit each day, but he was gone eight home six and, the start of the job was three weeks gone. So here wow. I was brand new pregnant and, uh, you know, an 18 month old or something like that, about 18 month old. And, um, and he was going to be gone for three weeks wow. and that was really hard. No I kidding. was so done by the end of it, just exhausted. And when I'm pregnant anyway, I feel like I'm just I'm a bump on a log. I'm just so tired. Mm -hmm. And so we just survived through that year of pregnancy. He was gone, you know, 208 days a year and more and more. I definitely felt like just the resentment growing in me because I was tired and exhausted and he didn't really understand the world he didn't live in. He knew when he came home, he got to play with our son and it was great and it was easy. And he, it was fun because it wasn't real life. Um, and I had to do all of real life by myself and I was, we were definitely just struggling and fighting a lot. I was 
angry and resentful. And then even when he was gone, because in aviation, you have to be safe. You have to fly. You can't be stressed and worried about things going on at home. You gotta be focused. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even when he was gone, we rarely talked on the phone at all for those eight days because I was so overwhelmed with being pregnant and having a baby. And even if we did talk, I wanted to share what was going on in my world, which was all things that stressed him out and made him feel <laughs> overwhelmed and unsafe while he's flying. So it was kind of like, Hey, I need you not to talk about this stuff. And it was mm -hmm. like, well, if you don't want to hear about my life, then we're wow. just not going to talk. Cause this is it. This is all I have to say. You know, yeah. I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. Our child is going crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, so we just, kept on growing apart yet fighting to stay together. And it just was really tough. How, how long was that season where that, I feel like that would destroy most marriages. Yeah. I'm surprised we made it through. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, I mean, really, so my, my, we moved here in 2020, my, I got pregnant in 2000, January of 2017. So it was a solid three years. Wow. Um, now of course he was in aviation for several years before that. Um, sure. you know, but wow. it, it, it got real when he started at that job where he was gone 208 days and, and I had a baby on the way and then I had two babies. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was so very tough. Let me ask you, because I even talked to a podcast listener yesterday who, you know, was crying with me. She's got two little ones and she just had a baby, a C-section and, um, her marriage was really going through it. And so I prayed with her and stuff, but was there anything that you felt like the Lord spoke to you in that time that gave you the resilience to continue on, even though your marriage was fairly non-existent? Well, for one, I know that when we got married, I, I kind of like leaned back into that time of knowing what, a, what, what do I feel like God's word from me, for me when we got married. Yeah. And I knew that I knew that my husband was the one for me mm -hmm. and not because I wanted him to be, or we were so similar. It was like, I literally do feel like I came to a crossroads of thinking, you know what, when I look into the future, I see that the two of like, I see that the two of us are supposed to be together. I feel confident in God's plan for us together. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people I had dated, I was kind of like, they're great. Like I really like them. But when I look into the future, like I don't, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't yeah. feel right. It's like, no, this isn't going to be. Mm -hmm. So I just, I feel like knowing that, knowing that when we were getting married, I knew uh, this was what God had for me. Yeah. And this is what I wanted and everything. And I will say my husband's a great guy. And yeah. I think that what I kept leaning into is it shouldn't be like this. Mm. He is really wonderful, kind, caring, amazing dad. I am really wonderful. <laughs> and this schedule is just killing us. I think mm. it was harder for him because he didn't know how hard he didn't, he didn't know what, what I was going through. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how hard it was for me. He wasn't living in the hell I was living in yeah. all alone. He would go and live in a hotel. Um, all of his food was provided. He had, you know, he could go to whole foods and get all this fresh juice to take on the plane with them. Everything was good. Go back to a clean, calm, peaceful hotel. Like he, he had that me mental stability uh -huh. <laughs> and he loves aviation. He 
was, is so passionate about flying aviation, all of that. And so there was a huge sense of fulfillment in his job. So he would go for eight days and be super fulfilled in what he was doing. He loved it. It was his passion. It was his hobby. It was his dream. It was so great. There were some luxuries to it. The, the only, the only downfall and the biggest downfall was that you're not with your family. Yeah. And he hated that too. But then it was like, it's okay. I get to be home. And for six days straight, you don't take work with you. Whereas like, you know, at the end of a work day for some, you know, for a lot of um, dads who work full time, like at the end of the day, you're still working on work and you're getting calls and you're checking emails. But for aviation, for him, he would get home and it was like, cut off. Like you're totally home. You're on complete vacation. So he would just switch into that mode. And for him, he was almost kind of like looking at me, like, what's your problem? Why aren't you happy that I'm home? And now we can spend time together. And for me, it was like, I'm, I had to keep such a strict schedule when he was gone, just for us to make it through our life make it through as a mom with two little babies by myself Mm -hmm. that I had to keep this rigid schedule. And I was exhausted by the end of it. Mm -hmm. And so when he got home, it was like, I wanted to be like, here's the kids I'm taking a break where he was like, I'm home. Let's have fun. And I'm like, I don't need fun. I don't need time with you. I need time with me. I need sleep. I need rest. I need my house to be clean. And then it was also like, he didn't know our schedule. So he would get there. The whole schedule would be completely thrown off. So it was like starting over with a schedule with two little kids every week. Mm. And so, but at the same time, it was like the fact that he was gone saved us and killed us all the same (laughs) because he would leave and I would get our life back in order. I would get a break from him and our fighting. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be so tired. I needed him to come home so I could have a break from being the mom. Uh, and so then he'd get there, but then it was like, I'd get to the end of my road thinking like, get out of here. You're ruining <laughs> all of our schedules, all of our systems. I'm so I'm, I'm exhausted by you being here. So it was like this back and forth mm-hmm. that, you know, we didn't have to live in the fighting 24 seven days on end. Yeah. We got a break from it, but it wasn't a break that was helping anything get better. Right. Even at one point when we started going to counseling, it was like, even if we made a little headway in those couple of days, he was home. We started all over again. Mm-hmm. He would leave. And we had that same distance and that same strange, like when he walked in the door and got home again, it was like, I don't know who you are. Like, this is weird and awkward yeah. and we're readjusting and then we're fighting and then we're going to counseling and then we make a little leeway, but then you leave, you know, so yeah. it's this cycle. Yeah. And I think, um, I just knew that it didn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. I was, I was like, this does not have to be like this, but I don't see how we get out of this cycle. And I think I just kept holding on to hope that maybe, this, this, this job was sort of one step away from what we were working towards. It was like Mm. the ultimate will be the next job where he's someone's private pilot and the schedule is better. Like we, I just have to hang on. Mm. And I think one of my strengths in life is definitely perseverance. Mm. And if anything, also our children, Mm. I was not going to destroy my children's lives. And I knew he loved them. I loved them. We're both great. This schedule is ruining us. He doesn't know that because he's not here to see how bad it is when he's not here, but I know. And so if we can just get past this, you Um, know, I just was determined Yeah. and like, there's no way I'm giving up now. Like we have worked too freaking hard. (laughs) I'm not quitting, you know, and 
So, That's and so I just, good. and that was it. It was like, I looked at him and it was like, I know he has great character. I know he's a good man who would survive in this situation. And honestly, I do feel like there was one friend that God brought into my life in that time closer, like in the last year. Mm. Um, well, actually there was kind of a series of events and I went to, I don't know if you've heard of Brendan Burchard, but he's big, like growth, um, personal development growth kind of guy. And he does like, uh, seminars around the country. And so all of this to say also, um, during this time when my husband was gone, I had these two babies, of course, I don't need more on my plate, but I'm still teaching yoga. And then I start doing online nutrition and fitness coaching. Mm, right. A friend of mine was doing this. It was this random occurrence. And I thought, well, I'll just see how that goes. I'll try this. Um, cause I love people. I love fitness. I need to talk to people. I need friendship because here I am all alone. I have no friends in Arizona. It felt like, I mean, there were people, but I was alone. Yeah. And so I start this nutrition coaching. I thought, we'll see how it goes. And because I had been into health and wellness my whole life, everywhere I went, it's what I was known for immediately. I had all these people wanting to be my client. And so very quickly, my business grew and um, I had all these clients. And so I would take care of the kids all day at night, put them in bed. And that's what I did all night long. I would build my coaching business, wow. um, you know, from bedtime till I went to bed. And, and because I wasn't talking on the phone to my husband and I had nothing else to do, no friends, I'm stuck in my house. So I just grew this business. Wow. Now that business was a social media based business. I did all my advertising, all my marketing, all my sharing of things on social media. Mm -hmm. So with that, it was this deep dive and on like a master's degree in social media. <laughs> so I'm learning all the ins and outs of all the different social media platforms, doing all those things, growing my own business. And that was kind of also something that was keeping me sane. And it was my community so that yeah. I wasn't alone anymore. Now I didn't see any anybody in person hardly, but these people that I connected with online, um, they became kind of like my support group over the years while yeah. I was the coach, they were still, you know, people that were my friends and people that, you know, I could be myself with and not just totally lose myself in motherhood and all the things. So yeah. I'm doing that. My husband's flying we're fighting, we're struggling, but we're just, you know, pushing through. And I think my husband, when he tells the story, always says he felt like, um, he loved me, but he saw he was causing me to be miserable. He didn't understand why, but he just kind of felt like, I don't want to keep doing this to her. Like, I don't want her to, to keep being miserable and I don't want to keep fighting. So maybe that maybe like in his mind, it was like, maybe we should get divorced mm -hmm. because I don't want to keep hurting each other. Yeah. And I remember him saying that to me at the beginning of, um, like 20, I don't know. It was like probably 2018. He said something about that. And I was like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it would just be better for the kids better for us. And I said, no. I was like, it will never be better for our children, for us not to be together. Are you crazy? Like, but that was kind of a eye opening to me. Cause I thought like, wow, I would have never thought mm -hmm. he would want to leave mm -hmm. and he didn't want to leave, but he just didn't want the pain to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that was a little bit of a wake up call to me. And then, like I said, I went to this Brandon Burchard seminar and I knew about Brandon Burchard because of my coaching business. I was like doing a lot of different personal development stuff. And I think that all of that was something that helped me hang on. And God used a lot of that in my life too. But I went and I remember that at that 
emphasize and like Mel Robbins, she says this too. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's kind of in that same circle with him. Um, but the, the idea of like, no one's coming to save you. If you're not happy, you can't look to someone else and say, well, it's my husband's fault. It's my marriage. It's my circumstance. It's my, whatever. It's like you get to choose. You're the one who's in control of your choices and you have to choose joy. You have to choose. Nobody's coming to do it for you. Nobody's coming to rescue you. This is your life. And it was like, you know what? There are things I can do. Mm-hmm. Even though I, like, I took a step back and I realized, you know what? I'm not happy. I kept saying like, I'm happy. I'm great. Like I did have this thriving coaching business. I did love my children, but I was not happy mm-hmm. and I was struggling, but I was like, so determined that I was not going to give up that I almost didn't want to admit to myself how miserable I was. Yeah. And, um, so I, I heard that message of like, you have to choose joy. You have mm-hmm. to find away. What, what is on you? You're responsible. No one else. And I was like, you know what, regardless of what my husband does, regardless of his job, regardless of anything else, I have to make some choices. So I started like down a path. Um, one of those things I immediately was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to hire a babysitter to come twice a week in the evenings when, um, my husband is gone. Just, I'll just a little breather, a little help. I was like, it's fine. It's worth it. We can afford it just two hours, twice a week. Like I'm going to do that. So I started doing that. And I also was like, we're going to join a life group. And even if my husband can't come, I'll go by myself on the weeks. He's not home. Like Mm. I have to have people in my life. I, prior to this time in Arizona, back in Dallas, we had Christmas movie night over the holiday season. And we would just invite everyone like, come over, let's watch a Christmas movie, just like create community. And I would say with my, in my previously, like with all my roommates and stuff, I was huge on friendship and community and all that. And I, and now I'm like going through the season where I was totally alone, which I've never lived like that. And I was like, I'm doing it. I don't care. I'm just going to invite people. So I just sent out a message to everyone I knew in Arizona that I never saw. (laughs) It's like, come over. We're having Christmas movie nights at our house and invited them over. We started doing that. And it was like doing the things that made me come alive. The things that that God created me for community and connection and loving people. Um, it started to give me little bits of hope and the, where I felt like, okay, like I'm still me under all this misery. And so I, um, started doing these things and we joined a life group. Um, and right away this life group, I, and for my husband too, he couldn't go, go every weekend. So I would go by myself. I went by myself the first week and it was other couples, but it was like, well, my husband will be here next time. So we went. And I think for him, that was one of the first glimmers of hope Hmm. for him. And for me, it was, it was amazing. And just, we, we did something called the life process where basically we'd meet once a month and it was all like, okay, in the past 30 days, here's what I've gone through because of that. Here's what I'm feeling. And here's what I need. And you literally, it was like the practice of acknowledging your emotions and acknowledging what you need. And, um, you couldn't say I need prayer. That's like, yeah, duh. Everyone (laughs) needs prayer. That's not worth talking about. We're talking about what do you need? Uh And we even had a little cheat sheet on the list of needs. It was like, I need someone to tell me it's going to be okay. Mm. I need encouragement. I need someone to hold space for me to tell my story. And in the life group, you couldn't offer anything to someone unless it was what they said they needed. 
So, you know, a lot of times we go to groups and it's like, you share your story and then someone's like, oh yeah, you know, when I went through that, this is what I did. And it really worked. And you're like, great. Thanks a lot. I already tried that, you know, and it just makes you feel totally invalidated and not heard. And so in this group, that practice of saying, you know what, here's how I actually feel like I'm going to admit these are my real feelings Mm -hmm. and I need someone to tell me it's going to be okay. I need someone to listen. And, you know, someone in the group would then offer whatever it was you said you needed and nothing more, nothing less. It was like, if I say, I just need some encouragement, then someone in the group had the opportunity to then be like, Hey, I just want to say like, you're going to make it through. Like, it's going to be, you know, okay. Like we're here for you. The end. And just that very simple practice of not having someone fix it, but having someone hold space for you was so powerful for us. And for us to have that community, I I think that, you know, ultimately, if you can cut people off from one another and you can be alone and isolated, that's Mm -hmm. where you'll be destroyed. And we were really on a path to having our marriage destroyed. And we, when we started going to the life group and connecting with these people, it was like, all of a sudden we felt stronger. We felt safer. We felt like maybe we can get through. And we were able to see each other as well. You know, a lot of times if I went to him to tell him, here's how I'm feeling, here's what I need. He felt like I'm failing. She's attacking me. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. But if we sat in the group and I told the group, here's what I'm going through. Here's how I feel. Here's what I need. It was like, he could see me Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a threat. And then he could share and I could see him. So it's like, we were able to see into each other's worlds without being threatened by Mm what someone, what each person needed. Um, anyway, in that group, I also met a girl whose husband was a helicopter pilot. And that was huge for me also in being able to hang on Mm -hmm. and know that God had a plan and what was going on. Cause as soon as I, I had never talked to anyone else who like known like close, a close friendship with anyone whose spouse, like worked on the road, military pilot, something like that. And the very first conversation I ever had with her, I was like in shock, like, Oh my goodness you understand me, you know, Mm. this world that I live in that no one else knows and I'm not alone and I'm not crazy. And it really is aviation. That's killing us. Like, and I think that was the thing I thought that that was true, but my husband was kind of like, nothing's going to make you happy. Like Mm. you wanted, you know, you wanted to have children. We did that. It didn't make you happy. You wanted this and we did that and you're still not happy. But all throughout the constant, the common denominator was you're in aviation, you're gone. We're not a family. We're not a team. We're not together. Yeah. And you can't build a relationship when you don't have time together. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're living two separate lives. Yeah. So, okay. Fast forward from there, COVID happens. <laughs> and, but right at the start of COVID, my husband had just gotten a new job with a private, like for like the ultimate, you know, the like we've arrived, job, yeah. you made it someone's private pilot and then COVID happens. So luckily we were really fortunate because this, um, his boss was like, we're going to keep you on full salary, even though you haven't flown for us yet, (laughs) we're going to start the salary and we won't be flying for the next few months. So he started getting paid his salary, which was a huge blessing. And, um, he was just home and that was the first time in our entire marriage that he was just home and we were a normal family. And I was honestly really nervous. I thought, and there had been talk he had offered like, well, maybe I should do something else. Maybe I shouldn't fly. But I, that scared me. Cause I thought, well, I hate it when you're home. 
<laughs> I hate it when you're gone, but I hate it when you're home. So I don't know what it's going to be like. Like, can we even do this? Cause it had just been so hard for so long and he was home and it was wonderful. And it was like, we got to see, wow, it's not you. It's not me. It's not us. It's that schedule. It was literally killing us. And so we got to have a couple of months all together home as a family. It was wonderful. During that time, we went and visited my parents. My mom is the CEO of Frowny. She's doing all that. My husband's always been super curious about the family business because technically my five siblings and I like own the business as like our inheritance or whatever, but that didn't really mean anything. We didn't do anything with it. It just, our names were on it, but he was really interested. And so he went to Frownies with my mom for the day and like came home all excited and like, Oh, you know, you guys are going to move to Ohio and take over the business. And I was like, no, we're not, <laughs> I'm not moving to Ohio. We're not doing that, but it started a spark. And mm -hmm. I think it just was, you know, leading us down a path to start thinking about that. And so I started paying more attention to what Brownies was doing. And I started looking at their social media here. I am running my own social media business and I take a look at theirs and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> we really didn't have much social media presence at all. Right. And I really feel like I kind of got a vision for it. And I feel like the Lord just dropped a little spark in my heart of like, huh, I could do Brownies social media. Like. And Rick could do some of the marketing. He has a marketing degree. So it was like, Rick could work for frownies and I could do social media. And I feel like I, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel mm. prior to this. It was like, he's a pilot. He spent his entire adult career for 13 years building up to this point. How would you start over doing anything else? You know, right, it was like, right. there's nothing else. There's no way out. And when I, we, when this like thought of frownies was dropped in our lap, it was like, wait a minute, this could be a way out. Wow. And as soon as that opened up, I felt like, yes, like we have to do this. And then I really started to get this vision for it and, and was like, this could be, this mm. could be great. Like, let's do this. So he, you know, started flying again for his new boss and, um, kind of felt like, uh, he should finish out the full year since his boss had given him several months of just paid leave essentially. And he had paid for his training, every airplane, you have to pay for expensive training or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I'll finish out my year with him. And then we can start with frownies. And, um, and then we also just were kind of like, Hey, well, our kids are still young enough. Do we want to stay in Arizona? Because if you're not employed in Arizona anymore, we're working remotely, we can live wherever we want. Sure. And I think that, you know, Arizona it's the desert and it was like the desert season of our lives while I loved it. And there's so much, like, I, I, I just, I look back on, there is so much that I loved about it. I loved my students that I was teaching yoga. Like I loved, you know, different things, but it was still just a very lonely, dark, hard season. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was like, you know what? We don't want to stay here. The older that our kids get, we don't want them to get planted and then not, um, and then move them later. Mm -hmm. And we're so far away from family, um, three hour time difference as well. Not just the distance, you know? So it was like, well, where do we want to go? Mm -hmm. So we kind of threw around a couple ideas and, you know, we weren't really sure, but we thought this was like September of 2020. And we thought, well, we have till March. We'll just look into it and see. 
And, um, I had already started with the social media for frownies. So I was kind of doing that already. And Mm -hmm. one night we were taking a walk. It was like a date night for us. We would go walking in the mountains and just randomly, it was like the Holy spirit just put in my mind and it came straight out of my mouth before I even (laughs) processed it. I was like, would you ever want to move back to Texas? And the thing is, and I said this earlier, I don't like Texas. (laughs) I had moved to Texas three times and moved away. And then, you know, I'd move there and I'd move away. I'd move back I'd move away. I'm like trying to get away from Texas all the time. Like, I don't want to live in Texas. I don't like Texas. And, um, the funny thing is when I said that, like, if anyone had asked me that question, I'd be like, heck no, we're never moving back to Texas. But I just, it's like, it just came out of my mouth. I didn't even process. And he was like, immediately like, yes. And I was like, oh no. And I saw his eyes light up. (laughs) What did I just say? (laughs) Why did I say that? You know, but also as soon as I said it, I felt like a yes in my heart. It was like, immediately, I just felt all these things come to my mind of why we needed to be in Texas. And why that would be so great. And I, but I was like, this is so strange. I can't believe that I want to, like, I want to do this. I feel drawn to this. And I didn't say anything to him because I saw his reaction and I thought, like, oh no, I don't want to, like, I don't want him to go down this road and then I have to, like, crash his hopes and dreams. And so he has a lot of family here in Texas. Um, We have tons of friends and community here in Texas. Um, And so I went home, I texted my friend who's a realtor. This was a Thursday night. I text my friend who's a realtor and I was like, Hey, listen, don't freak out and don't tell anybody just set up an MLS for me. I just want to look. Hmm. And she was like, what are you moving back to Texas? And I was like, <laughs> no, we're not doing anything. I just want to look. I don't like it. Just send me a MLS. So I hadn't told my husband that I did that. He left the next day to go fly for the weekend on Sunday. I was sitting in church the pastors. Oh, well, I should say that night I get the MLS and I'm looking at these houses and I'm like, Texas. Oh, it was like all these Texan homes that are just not my style. I was like, here we go again, Texas, you know, Uh but at the same time, I felt like this is the right, we're supposed to move in this direction, but Uh I thought I had time. So it was like harmless, whatever. I'm sitting in church on Sunday. The pastor's message is is about suddenly. And Mm -hmm. that was the title's message. Suddenly he was talking about how in our lives, there are times where all of a sudden this like suddenly moment happens and God moves suddenly or he speaks suddenly and things change. And I will tell you, I felt like my time in Arizona was like plowing concrete. It was like trying to take a hammer to concrete and smash the concrete to try to finally get through to Mm -hmm. dirt. So we could actually plant some seeds. It just was like, miserable. It felt like we were getting nowhere. It was just, I felt like it was like the same fights reoccurring, the same problems, the same loneliness, the same nothing. I couldn't dig out of the hole. Now that year, like I said, there were glimmers of hope with our life group and just different things, but it just was like, when is this going to be over? And I really thought to myself, I'm not getting divorced, but can I really live like this for another 40 years? And I just felt really discouraged at that idea. It was like, if I have to do this for another 40, 50 years, I don't, I don't know that I can, I'm going to die. Like I can't, (laughs) I can't keep going, but I'm not quitting. But how long can I last like that? I really wondered. Wow. And, you know, it just felt like a dead end in all areas of our life. But anyway, so I get this, this email and I open it up. 
and it was an MLS for the house that I'm sitting in right now. Wow. And immediately I saw the house and I was like, this is the house. This is my house. We have to buy this house. We need to move to Texas. It was like a done deal. And I texted my husband and I was like, this is the house. I want this house. And I hadn't said anything else to him about <laughs> Texas. And he goes, well, if you want that house, you better move quick. Cause that was the time when houses were like, you're, you're asking, you're paying more above the asking price. And it was just yeah. a crazy market. And so I called my realtor. She did a video walkthrough. I called the lender, got approved. We made an offer that night. I wrote this letter because I knew there were going to be other offers and I wanted them to pick us. And, um, we got chosen mm -hmm. our, our letter got chosen Monday morning. And also Sunday night, I called my realtor in Arizona and I said, hi, I just made an offer on a house. I need you to come over this week and help me figure out what to do. And so we had thought, well, I guess we'll just move. And then we will lift our house here in Arizona. Like, how can I get it ready with two small children? And, right. um, so he was like, oh my goodness. And he came over Tuesday and he said, I think I have someone who wants to buy your house. And I, or he, he said, well, they want to come look at it. Uh -huh. And he said, you know, I told him it was as is that it's not ready to be listed but it was a family that was looking to downsize and they had their house ready to list, but they didn't want to put their house in the market until they had somewhere to go because there was so low inventory. So they came, I spent like the next couple of days, just like scouring things from floor to ceiling, cleaning, organizing, decorating, putting everything in the garage. I was like, they're buying our house. This is it. <laughs> and I'm like, if I, I'm not getting it show ready more than once we're doing this yeah. and I got it ready. They did the walkthrough. They made an offer on our house contingent on their house selling. They listed their house the next day. They got an offer. It was done. Wow. And literally four weeks later, we were here. Wow. So from the day that we were taking a walk and I felt like the Holy spirit was like, how about it? Uh, te Texas. It was four weeks later. We were moved in. Our house was sold. It was over. Wow. And we got here and immediately arriving in Texas and being back, it was almost like what had been a field of concrete just melted away. Mm -hmm. And it was like all the seeds we planted began to grow. And we started to really reap the harvest of all that we had sown, you know, that mm -hmm. there's a verse that says those who go out planting in tears will mm -hmm. reap with shouts of joy or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And that is what it was like. It was like, we had been faithful for so long, not knowing if anything would ever grow. And all of a sudden it was like, God just poured back out on us all the blessings mm -hmm. for everything we had sacrificed for everything we had struggled through and that we had persevered through. Um, and it's crazy because in so many areas, I mean, like, even like our kids, they didn't really have any friends. It was like me and them, we were surviving. And we got here, we didn't plan it, but like five minutes down the road is the school where my children are at right now. The families that we're connected to there are like families where my kids will grow up with their children. And it's like, they're surrounded by people who love them, people who have, you know, that we want to have in their lives, influence on them, families that we're doing community with, we're doing life with. There's just so much support. I mean, we got here the day after we got here, our neighbors walk up to our door with a hot apple crisp, holding oh. the hot apple crisp with their oven mitts, like welcoming us in the neighborhood. <laughs> There's children running all around in the streets, like playing. Aww. And uh, it just was like, what has happened? 
Yeah. Where are we? What is going on? It was like in an instant, everything <laughs> changed. My husband, um, you know, ended up turning in his notice, quitting his job, flying, coming full-time with brownies. And even with that, it was like, we had been so separate for so long. And now we work together all day long, every day home in the house together. And I had thought like, I don't know if I would want you to be home. Like this could be bad. We are an amazing team. We love working together. Everything that felt like we were so opposite. We are so much more similar than we realized. And we, our strengths like really help complete the other person. It's like, there's so much that has happened that it was there all along, but it's just that the circumstances we were in, we were just fighting to survive. And now it's like everything changed, everything wow. shifted. Wow. And so we got here and, um, we're doing frownies. Uh, we pretty much moved right around the start of working with frownies. And I thought like, yeah, like I can definitely, I have a lot to offer frownies, social media. Like they have no social media presence. Like I, I know a thing or two about this. And, um, that winter I got on TikTok, and immediately from the first video, every video we posted pretty much went viral for all of 2021. We have videos with over 6 million views. I mean, like organically just crazy. We wow. became in 2021, all of the things that I was doing on social media, um, we became the number three search term in beauty on Google in 2021. Um, it just blew up the business quadrupled. And then again, the next year doubled again. Um, it just, it, everything, it was like a fire was lit and it was pretty much as though all that I had done, even in my coaching, while I was alone, just with my babies, everything that I learned, I was able to plug all of that into frownies and watch it just explode. And I had no idea that would happen. <laughs> you know, it just was like, okay, yeah, like I can do this. This is a ticket out of aviation. Let's go. Uh -huh. yeah. And I've really found a passion for what I'm doing now, you know, with frownies. Like, again, I love connecting with people. I love helping people to be healthy and to feel good. And with frownies, you know, yes, it's wrinkle smoothing, but more than that, you know, there's a huge movement towards Botox and injections and filler. And there's a lot of pressure on women, particularly and young women because of filters on social media and all these things. Um, people are just feeling like the pressure to have this perfect airbrushed face. And so there's huge marketing push from the Botox industry to young, younger women now too. And so more and more, there's just such a huge rise in all of those things. Wow. And there's nothing wrong with getting Botox. If that's your thing, it's totally fine. But for me, the using marketing to go after people, to make them feel insecure, mm -hmm. to then get them to get injections and all of these things, like that's not right. right. Particularly if you don't have any wrinkles, you don't need Botox. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many women, my, my brother, my brother lives in New York and he was talking about how it's like all of his friends, it's like you, you turn 20, you get Botox. It doesn't matter because you're so afraid of aging. You're so afraid of a wrinkle. That's what you have to do. So the pressure is there. And I love that frownies are a natural alternative to Botox, no injections. And even if you decide when you're 40, 50, whatever, you're going to do some Botox or whatever, 
you know, if I can help save someone 20 or 30 years of Botox and lots of money when they're young and they don't need Botox, but marketing's telling them that they do, then I'm, I'm here for it. And, you know, it's been so fun just in doing all that I'm doing on social media. For me, it's really not about like a business. It's about connecting with women and that's what it's been. And it's just been something that, like I said, I've watched God just light a fire under it. And Mm. we can definitely see we're exactly where we're supposed to be, um, relationally, uh, financially in business with our children as a family. Mm. I mean, my son was getting to the point where he knew that my husband was gone. He was old enough to realize, and he was really starting to get to where he was feeling almost traumatized by it. Um, when my husband would leave, he would end up leaving in the morning before the kids were awake, even if he didn't need to, just because the, the crying and the screaming and the misery that my son would go through when he had to leave. And it's like that that's over now. Like we're a family, we're a team, we're doing this together. And I know that was a lot of, a lot of information in the long story, <laughs> but like looking back over it all, it's like, there's all these little pieces that at the time it just was like, Oh, this is great. Like I'll do some nutrition coaching. That sounds fun. Or, you know, Oh, great. Like I'll take that course on social media or I'll go to that conference or whatever mm-hmm. it was. There's all these separate pieces. The fact that I did my yoga training, the fact that, um, you know, even my husband had a marketing group degree randomly, even though he never used it. It's like all these little pieces along the way yeah. that, it was like, God just took all of those pieces like threads and then just pulled them together. And then they became something, you know, and it, it's like, you can see that it was all purposeful. There was a reason for all of it. And he has been faithful through all of it. And just, I don't think it's always, I think I said this to you before. I don't think it's always like, you know, he speaks to you when you're 18 and tells you your purpose in life and what you do. (laughs) And that's what you are forever and ever, because the reality is even when I was 25, there wasn't social media. There was no TikTok. This is the world we live in now didn't exist. And there's no way I could have planned that this is what I would be doing. I just had to be faithful along the way. It was like, first, my passion for nutrition and fitness and going down that road, then thinking like, oh, sure, I'll do some coaching then like I'll learn social media. I'll put myself out there. And then here comes frownies. The thing that I even insisted I would never do. Yeah. And it was just that there wasn't the right spot for me yet. And now there is, and he knows those pieces that don't exist yet that are going to exist. And he's going to lead you and guide you along the way. Um, and it's not going to always feel good. It's not going to feel like you would think it's supposed to feel when you're on the path that he has for you. It felt miserable. (laughs) It felt like I had no choice, but to just keep going, even though I didn't know how I was going to keep going. Mm -hmm. And he knew when I'd be at the end of my rope and he knew that there would be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I just had to keep trusting him and keep, you know, one day at a time, you know, doing the next right thing. And so here we are. Wow. That's amazing. I just love there. I feel like I just keep hearing, I mentioned this to you the last time we talked, but 
for the sake of my listeners, like that scripture in Proverbs, I believe it is, that says many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. And, um, or, or a man plans his steps, but the Lord, or a man plans his ways and the order, Lord orders his steps. And I just, I, for many times when I'd read those scriptures, I was like, what does that even look like in life? You know, but I feel like your story is such a picture of that because the Lord knows that we can't possibly understand all the things he knows and sees coming but you were at least faithful to continue seeking the Lord just in your life. You know, your heart was positioned to hear him and your heart was positioned to respond to his direction, even if it didn't make sense, even if you didn't have an answer. And even if it just looked like this weird intuition and instinct to go this direction, you know, there's not always an explanation. Um, but I, when we had watched the movie, The Star, uh, a couple of years ago, when it came out as a little cartoon, I went on a field trip with one of the kiddos. And there was one line in the movie that struck me between the eyes and, and kind of made me realize how I had messed up my thinking in this area where they said, I think that the animals were like running and like trying to, they were trying to rescue Jesus. I don't know what they were doing. It was like a, some high tense moment. And it was a difficult journey. And, um, and one of them said, just because it's God doesn't mean it won't be hard. And I was like, or just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God or something like that. And I just remember that the Holy Spirit like struck me with that. And it's like your journey, those years of loneliness, I've had a similar, not in detail, but similar emotional journey to yes. what you described. And, um, and I remember feeling like, God, where, where are you? Surely you're a good God. And where were you this in this journey? But in the end, looking back, you can see the kindness and faithfulness of the Lord to weave those pieces and put you with the right people and even put the right tools in your tool belt for the tasks that are ahead of you. And um, so as you've shared all of this, I, I want to even encourage my listeners of you guys, you guys have listened. These last couple of years have been tough for most people because yes. the whole world has been in a state of trauma, you know, with yes. COVID and all the things we've all been disconnected. They, they shut down our social circles and shut down our jobs and shut down our businesses. And, and as you guys have walked through these last couple of years, just like as Helen has walked through this um, beautiful picture of the Lord's faithfulness, just remember it is the Lord who orders your steps. And, and I feel like the part we play is keeping our heart postured toward him and trusting him. And I, and I feel like stories like yours remind me why it's so important that we trust the Lord and that we trust his character and knowing like, I don't know all the pieces and I'm not entitled to it. Like the secrets belong to the Lord, but the things revealed in his word are mine to possess. And so like just trusting him in our daily life and trusting that his character is good and that he, he does have good plans, even though in the middle, it might feel like you're plowing concrete. And so that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's so beautiful to me. Okay. So I want to take a little like uh, look into your world in regard to Frownie. So it's funny. I had shared one of your stories on my social media after we talked last week and, yeah. um, and someone I'm friends with, she actually lives in New York. She responded to the story where you were like, see, here's proof. I don't use Botox. And you were doing uh -huh. all your facial moves. And she messaged me. She goes, oh, she definitely has Botox in her forehead. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I know you never hear the end of that. People are always like, you yeah. know, trying to accuse you of using Botox, but what's your reason for not like, aside from the fact that you're like, Hey, I have this business, but 
Yeah. So here's the thing. First of all, like I said, I grew up super natural and crunchy. Um, I was born at home and I had my babies at home and I've literally never taken an antibiotic in my life. Wow. I'm very non-medical, non-toxic chemical person. Um, and this is the thing for me, if you go and you research Botox, I mean, Botox is botulism toxin, which is literally one of the most toxic chemicals in the world. And there's some, some small amount that if you, you could, and it's, I, I don't, I mean, I don't have it all in front of me, but it's like, it's like a biological warfare weapon. Like if you released uh -huh. a certain amount of this tiny bit of Botox into you could kill off like a, a, a huge part of the population. It's like a crazy thing. Now, of course, what they're putting in your face is a very diluted, tiny, 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 tiny amount. Okay. But they have a black box warning on Botox and wow. you can read about um, the dangers and the potential issues. Now, everybody who's all about it will say, yeah, but that's so rare. Like that's so uncommon except it's, it's like, what does that even mean though? I mean, you can go also find a Facebook group where there are hundreds of thousands of members who have been injured by Botox and oh, who, wow. I mean, even just being on TikTok in the time that I have, I've seen several TikTokers who like, there was one girl in particular who is, has a pretty big account. And it was like a huge deal that was very viral. Her, she got Botox and her one eyebrow like went down and her other eye went up and she like looked crazy. And it mm. was just a a bad reaction to Botox, you know? Wow. So for me, there's the aspect of like the toxins in our bodies and the toxic load on our bodies. And I know people will say it's okay. You know, that's not going to happen, but it is on there. It's uh -huh. a black box warning. You know, the other thing is that everyone's genetic makeup, and now we're diving into the deep dive into the health rabbit hole, but you can literally go have genetic testing done to know like what genetic markers you have that put you at a higher risk to be triggered into an autoimmune disease, uh, an autoimmune disorder or whatnot. There's, and I think a lot more people are becoming aware of autoimmune issues, hormone issues, and, and what can happen. And particularly women's bodies are even more sensitive and more, you have a greater percentage of women who have audio autoimmune disorders and thyroid issues. And our hormones are very, very sensitive. Yeah. And, you know, you can say that the Botox is only going in that one spot, but there's also studies that have shown that it can migrate to where you have then these toxic chemicals in other areas of your body, and it can affect your health in all kinds of ways. And so it's really eye-opening when you go and you look at some of these, um, Facebook groups where people have, you know, Botox injuries or whatnot. And it's just a little bit like, is it worth that risk? Yeah. Is it worth the risk for you? You know, similarly, like I don't take ibuprofen if my back's hurting or I have a headache or whatever, I don't take anything. Now, would it be probably totally harmless to have an ibuprofen, whatever? Yes. But for me, um, it's, I have a sensitive digestive system, so it's just not worth the risk. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't want to go that route. And so it's just an overall lifestyle of like, I'm going to try to go the natural way. Yeah. Now I'll say this. I, I'm not, I know there's a conversation where people like, just let women age. Like who cares? I want to be beautiful into my old age. Yes, I don't please. care. I'll admit I'm vain. Okay. <laughs> and I 
don't think very many women want to be like, yeah, I don't care. Let my skin sag and let my wrinkles come. <laughs> Who cares? Everybody is trying to do the best they can. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would say I'm not against a facelift or something like that, like surgery. But for me, Botox and filler, when I research, and that's the reason I'm not, I'm not about it for myself is when mm -hmm. I research for me, the benefits do not outweigh the risk. Yeah. Particularly because of frownies. Here's the thing. <laughs> frownies work. Now you yeah. can take shortcuts and you can get Botox instead. It is way easier to get Botox as sure. long as you don't have a problem. You just yeah. go, you pay your money, you get the Botox, it's done. Yeah. If you're going to use frownies, you have to do it regularly. You have to be consistent. You have to be disciplined about it. But it's the same thing. You can work out or you could get liposuction. Mm -hmm. You know, one's a shortcut and the other isn't. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, and I'm not saying you should get liposuction, but I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of things when you take the natural approach, it's mm -hmm. going to be more work, mm -hmm. but there's also no risk. And yeah. at the end of the day, brownies do work. I've been wearing them since I was 18 years old. I don't yeah. get Botox because I don't need Botox because mm -hmm. I've always used brownies. And more than uh -huh. anything, I do have a passion for, uh, educating young women about frownies, because if you start when you're really long, young, it's not a hassle. It's super yeah. easy. Yeah. You just wear them here and there and you never get wrinkles. So yeah. it's great. You know, um, the other thing, as far as filler is I've heard stories from plastic surgeons where they go in for somebody to do a facelift because uh -huh. usually people will start with filler, you know, things like that. And then as they get older, they'll progress and then finally get a facelift or something. Mm -hmm. Well, they go in to do the facelift and they, they say filler dissolves, right? That that's the story they they've told. Well, now they're saying, well, maybe it doesn't really because plastic surgeons go in to do facelift and they're literally scraping hard pieces of filler off of women's faces that have just migrated to random spots and they uh -huh. can't do the facelift until they scrape out the filler. Oh, gross. And so <laughs> the main thing to me is that while there's warnings on the boxes for these Botox and fillers and things like that, most people aren't reading them. They're not educating. They're not choosing with eyes wide open. Mm. And I'm all for it. If you want Botox or you want filler and you know the risks and you're agreeing to that, go ahead. But consenting to something like that without knowing the potentials uh -huh. to me, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Um, I get it. Well, and I feel like, I feel like it kind of, uh, validates the need, not the need, but the validates the effectiveness of frownies that there's so many people, even injectors, Botox injectors. I've seen them on your social media who are like, uh, I'm an injector and she definitely has Botox. And I'm like, if you don't have Botox and you're just using frownies and even injectors can't tell the difference, it's obviously doing its job. And what I honestly, what I love about frownies, it's not super expensive. I mean, no, it's, it's very affordable. Cheap. Yeah. Um, the reality is Frownies and Botox work on the exact same principle. So the reason that it looks so similar is because it is the results will be similar because you're, you're following the same principle. Yeah. Botox paralyzes the muscles. So you literally cannot move it. Frownies mm -hmm. retrains the muscle. It like irons out the muscles and retrains yeah. them. to stay flat. Yeah. And so of course it's going to look the same because yeah. you're doing the same thing. The idea is stop the muscle movement and you will smooth the lines. That's and that's scary. what brownies are doing. And the other thing I want to say to people is like, listen, if I really would, if, if I'm just telling you that I don't have Botox because I want to get you to buy frownies, truthfully, why would I not just be promoting Botox? I would make a lot more money. <laughs> True story. 
what I'm saying? Like brownies work and they've been around since 1889, literally 130 years. We're talking, they've been through many world wars. They went through the great depression. They've lasted through, um, recessions. They've lasted through so many worldwide economic catastrophes that they're still standing because they actually do work. If you use them, you have to use them. You have to be consistent. You have to do the work. But they work and that's so great. no product this simple and basic and even annoying. It's a little annoying when you're ready to just get in bed to have to go put your frownies on. Yeah. <laughs> but they lasted because they work. Yeah. No gimmick would last for 130 years. And we talked about by Hollywood ce- celebrities all around the world. It's they true. work. It's so true. I don't have any Botox. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. So if you guys, uh, if you guys look closely at frownies, if you're new to the frownies world, go down the rabbit hole and search frownies because you'll see you guys have been featured in all kinds of magazines and publications all over, right? Yes. Um, it's, we've been in life magazine. We've been in several old Hollywood movies, um, different Hollywood movie stars like Raquel Welch and different people who've written books. Like they've talked about frownies in their books. Um, we've been on the today show many times, Drew Barrymore show. I mean, all over the place, really. We just have you guys been in Allure? We need to get you in Allure because I feel like that's where all the cool so. little things have been. Yes, and that's like the younger crowd. That's what we need. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is what we need. Okay, cool. We'll pray that one in. But man, listen, Helen, I'm so thankful that you made the time. I know you're busy right now and running a business is not a small feat. And so thank you for taking the time to come on here. If any of my listeners want to connect with either you or Frownies, how can they do that? Yeah, you can find Frownies um, on Instagram or on TikTok. On Instagram, it's at Frownies. On TikTok, it's at Frownies Family. Um, if you message me there, I will see it and I will get the message. Um, but you can also follow me personally on my personal social media on Instagram at Whole Health Helen. I don't post a lot of content, but I do have a ton of old content over there if you're into like fitness and healthy recipes and things like that. Um, but I'm there too. So you can find me either place. That's awesome. And if you want to purchase frownies, it's just frownies.com, right? Yep, frownies.com. Brownies.com. So you listen, you guys, if you are at a loss for what to get some women in your life for Christmas, that could make a really practical, cool Christmas gift. Of course, they might be like, what are you saying, Willis? <laughs> but you could be like, hey, listen, it's easy and it's healthy. So let's just do it. Um, so Helen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was such a blessing to hear your story. And you guys, listen, if this story was just refreshing for you to listen to, I almost feel like we got to listen through an audiobook of her biography in, in like the best way. And so, in fact, you might need to go write your story into a book if you're not already doing that. <laughs> you're like, maybe after enough interviews. Um, one day. Uh, and so anyways, you guys make sure just share this episode with some friends, throw it on social media. If you did listen, snap, snag a screenshot, throw it in your stories and tag me, tag frownies. And, uh, that way we can share out who's listening. Um, otherwise we will catch you next week. Just a reminder that we have moved Java, which has moved our episodes to Tuesdays instead of Thursdays to give you more listening time during your work week and, uh, go check out Java with If you want to get some hoodies for this cold weather weather. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. And thanks, Helen, for joining us. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. 
Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.